0: On today's show we have a look at the 1932 season and things once again implode at St Kilda while South Melbourne have devised a genius plan to lure new recruits over to play for them. Speaking of new recruits a well-known one begins at Fitzroy while new captain Hayden Bunton takes over. Geelong struggled to maintain some form they had in the previous year and are in doubt to play finals. Collingwood continued to play at a high standard and Carlton unearthed their own new recruits that helped them to stay on top. All this and a few surprises coming up after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick kick show Beginning in the
1: time 1870s Right through to the modern day
0: Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman, to hear what they all have to say. Alright, welcome to the 1932 episode of the Kick to Kick podcast. Welcome. Thank you Kazman, as you usually do, you sit opposite me. Um, you've been busy, very, very very busy recently, so it's good to have you back. It's glad to be back. Um, and listeners might remember last episode we had Anna come and visit us. Um, we have now made Anna an official member of the Kick to Kick crew.
2: Part of the team, and so, happy to be here. Welcome Much back, better. Anna. Thank you.
0: Um, and Charlie's not with us at the moment, but he will be hopefully soon. The glue that holds us together—you
2: um, mm. could say that. <laughs> the gavel monster of the
0: group. Yep. Um, <laughs> and hello to our listeners in Italy, England. There's been quite a lot of downloads in England recently. I must um, and Ontario, Ontario, Canada. Oh, wow. we, we've had quite a few downloads from Canada, but mainly in British Columbia, from Van- I believe Vancouver. Mm. Um, but now we've got one in Ontario, so we're, we're slowly getting through Canada as well. Oh, fantastic! You're out there in the
1: in the valleys and watching a moose go by, mm. listening to kick Kiki. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, now, Anna, very quickly. <laughs> uh, back takeaway. to I'm back yep. to It's oh, good to see someone's got to keep control. Of you. <laughs> um, you, if we remember, you're a Melbourne supporter. I am. Um, and last year, I think we spoke to you. You were playing football for a football team. I was. Yep. Haven't played this season. Have not. But I was wondering, <laughs> what, what was your football nickname?
2: Uh Moz.
0: Moz. Moz.
2: Kick it here, Moz.
0: Yeah. Moz, you're hot. All right. Yeah. Moz. Moz. Um, very. I've got a very quick nickname story for you as well. So, a few years ago, I I joined a football team and played for a season after I hadn't for a long time. You just segued yourself in. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And at the very start of the season, one of the coaches came up. He's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, what's your name? What's your name? I'm like, Oh, Tim. He's like, Oh, yeah, what's your nickname? I'm like, I don't really have one, just Tim. And so for the season, I was known as Tim, but I ruined it. I, I, I had oh. carte lunch. I could have chosen my own nickname. You
2: could have been Max Power.
0: Oh, um, I could have been anything. I'll pity the fool. And it, just, it was just Tim, just boring old Tim. Oh. I think boring about that.
2: No, now his nickname's Commish, because he's the commissioner of our fantasy football team.
0: Oh, yeah, and speaking of fantasy football... We, we've got a kick-to-kick league, oh, and just it's the four of us. It's time mm-hmm. to pay up now, isn't which it? Which will... Uh, oh, payday. You, you, can, you can join now, Anna, the expansion on... For Let
1: me <laughs> go this great trophy right here. It fits in my hand like Kaz, Oh,
0: Kaz, it looks good on you. Kaz has gone back-to-back, unfortunately. Oh, for the, sec- for the second time. year running, Anna, oh. I finished on top of the ladder favourite heading into the grand final and Kaz knocked me off again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw all two those se- messages
2: coming through on the
1: WhatsApp.
0: Two seasons in a row, yeah. he's knocked me off. Mm-hmm. For the, uh, what do we call them? Well, um,
1: can I just say, it says this, you can help us with this. It says the Regent Raiders, um, this is the quality of our trophy. Um, winners Regent Cup, Sid- Sydney, 1986. <laughs> And the winner was Marcus Mooney. Marcus Mooney. It's the Marcus Mooney Trophy. Thank you. <laughs> you found this on the side of the road. I did, yes. Marcus, that's
0: K- great. K- Kaz is the uh, two-time winner of the Marcus Mooney Trophy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love doing a Mooney. Kaz, mm. um, any, any nicknames? What?
0: As an umpire? Oh,
1: as an umpire? Or? No. That's no? Because our uniforms went to blue. What can you possibly say that's so intimidating but with sky blue uniforms? <laughs> a filthy blue maggot?
0: Just yeah. doesn't right. Were that. you an umpire in white as well in the early days? No,
1: no. So no, you no, never wore no, white. No, no. no. Orange maybe? I don't know. We look like carrots. I think somebody <laughs> said once <a> tall carrot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Give us some history.
3: Nineteen thirty two was another great year, guys. third uh, of January, the British in India arrested and interned Mohandas Gandhi. On the 11th of Feb, Pope Pius XI met Benito Mussolini in the Vatican City. On the 25th of February... Adolf Hitler obtained German citizenship by naturalisation, which opened the opportunity for him to run in the 1932 elections. So not a great start, but we're getting there. Uh, 1st of March, um, Charles Lindbergh Jr., the brand-new baby son of uh, Charles Lindbergh, the the pilot, was kidnapped from the family home near Hopewell, New Jersey. On the 19th of March, the Sydney Harbour Bridge officially opened in Australia. And on the 20th of March... (laughs) Um, Farlap raced in uh, Tijuana and won the Agua Caliente Handicap, which was uh, broadcast across Australia on the radio. On the 25th of March, Tarzan the Eight Man opened with the Olympic gold medal swimmer Johnny Weissmuller in the title role, and he went on to star in the, a total of 12 Tarzan films. Uh, On the 5th of April, Farlap died at midday at a ranch in San Fran, uh, two weeks after winning the Agua Caliente. Um, It was autopsied twice and they found nothing, but uh, the trees apparently there had been sprayed with lead arsenate insecticide. And uh, Australia found out on the 6th of April. On the 12th of May, 10 weeks after he was kidnapped, the son of Charles Lindbergh was found dead a few miles from his home. On the 13th of May, the Premier of New South Wales, Jack Lang, was dismissed by the State Governor, Sir Philip Game. And on the 20th and 21st of May, Amelia Earhart flew from the United States to uh, Londonderry in Northern Ireland in 14 hours and 54 minutes. On the 25th of May, Goofy made his appearance in the Disney animated short, Mickey Review. And on the 25th of June, India played its first test, test cricket match against England at Lords. On the 1st of July, the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Commission, was established. And on the 1st of August, Forrest Mars produced the very first Mars bar in his factory in Slough in England. On the 6th of August, uh, Germany's first autobahn was opened, the Bundesautobahn 555. Uh, and at the 1932 Summer Olympics, which were held in Los Angeles, uh, the Australian Olympic team won three gold, one silver, and one bronze. Um, on the 1st of November, Peter Pan won the Melbourne Cup. And on the 23rd of November, the statue of the dog on the tucker box was unveiled at Gundagai uh, by the Prime Minister, Joseph Lyons. Um, on the 27th of December... Uh, Radio City Music Hall was opened in New York City. So started badly, but uh, the year ended well. Um, and in terms of people born that year, obviously quite a few, but the ones that really stood out were on the 16th of January, Diane Fossey, the zoologist. On the 26th of Feb, Johnny Cash, the country singer. And on the 27th of Feb, Elizabeth Taylor was born. On t- the 10th of April, Omar Sharif, the actor, was born. On May the 8th, Sonny Liston, the uh, former heavyweight boxing champion of the world. And on 28th of June, Pat Morita, the actor uh, famous for playing Mr Miyagi, was born. So there you have it, 1932.
0: All right, well, let's get to the Good 1932 things. season, Kaz. Let's go, Moz. Um, all right, so a bit oh. of league news first. Uh, so very That's early the on... Um, Actually, throughout the season, the VFL instructed clubs that they had to alter their constitution by the end of September. And the clubs, the league wanted committeemen to hold office for only three years, with one third of those committeemen facing election at one time. Um, they wanted each club's secretary, president, treasurer, captain, and vice captain to be appointed by the committee. Uh, Play representatives, councils, and cricket clubs were to be barred from football club committees. Um, league delegates had to be appointed for two years in the club's constitution to be unalterable without the VFL's consent. The VFL wanted absolute control over everything. Jeez. In 1932, um, as a response to this, Vic, Richmond's VFL delegates Lou Roberts and Jack Smith campaigned against the league's proposal, and were a whole like they they stood out. They've refused. Um, Carlton and St Kilda were said considered leaving the league and joining another one at one point. Um, And so this all came to a head in early October and there was a meeting of the league and they decided not to proceed with this proposed constitution Mm. as North Melbourne and Fitzroy, under pressure from the other clubs, sided with Richmond, Collingwood and Carlton in opposing it. Mm. So real strength there by the clubs banding together against the VFL, trying to really control everything. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, which would I guess would probably help those clubs like St Kilda who are always infighting and changing their board, but... um, Yeah, if you let that happen, then everything you know, you allow other things to happen as well. Mm. Um, and that's all the league news I have for the moment. Mm. So let's uh, continue up the ladder, Casman.
1: All right. Okay. Now, Moz, I don't know, but when I listened to that episode and you read this, I knew that my days of reading this ladder were numbered. Oh I... no! Push. So I don't know. I
0: I, I invite you. Could you do it?
1: Oh, Kazatron, but you are a wizard at reading
2: these.
0: (laughs) You could share it. One of you could do the team. One of you could do the wins and losses. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay.
1: All
2: right.
0: We'll take it as a suggestion.
1: Uh, (laughs) And we'll we'll execute that suggestion. Here we go. I like it. So do you want me to start? Yeah,
2: you start us off, Kaz.
1: In 12th place, Hawthorne. The mighty
2: Hawks down at the bottom. Oh, way down the bottom. Oh, sorry. Finishing on at 12 points. Um, and they had only three wins and 15 losses. Poor old Hawthorne.
0: Three's not bad. And a percentage of
2: 64.1? Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Quite low.
1: Um, all right. So, see, much better. Yeah.
2: Sit, yeah.
1: Sit, in the years, it's just so much.
2: Yeah. So much we'll work on the flow. But yes, I think yes. we need to work on the flow. Yeah, it's all right. We've oh. got 11 more teams to go. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so new coach was Jim Jackson, who was a former Hawthorne, Collingwood, and St Kilda player who'd retired in 1926. Um, so debutants or names for you, uh, Kaz? Yeah. Alan Story. Ah. Actually, and another one, Hilton Buckney.
2: Oh, I like that one.
0: <laughs> Hilton I've not Buckney. I've many Hilton's before. Um, new captain, of course, was Bert Mills. So, Hawthorne, not a heat to say because obviously finishing on the bottom. Mm. Round three, their first win came against the Melbourne Football Club <laughs> at Glen Ferry. Um, scores were quite close at three-quarter time, though, but then Hawthorne kept Melbourne goalless to run away with the win. Poor, D's, uh, poor Redlegs. Um, round five, Jack Ryan... Player, not uh, not fictional movie star, um, kicked six goals. And Stan, Stan Spinks played his uh, made his season debut. He played one game the previous season uh, in a loss to Richmond, and he did very well. Stan Spinks, and he would hang around for years to come. Oh, fantastic! Um, as Spinks met Richmond captain Alan Geddes out on the ground, um, he told Geddes he was new, and Geddy said, "Oh, hey, look, there's not much hope of you guys beating us. So, look, I'll give you a bit of a go. I'll let you. Uh, I'll go a bit easy on you, uh, young lad." And then... I've he, never heard of this kind of thing, ever. Stan Spinks had a great game. Uh, he received heaps of praise at halftime, so in the second half, Alan Geddes went harder and uh, Spinks still held his own. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah.
0: mm. um, and speaking of Stan Spinks, the following week, he then distinguished himself against South Melbourne champion Herbie Matthews, despite the team losing. So they've definitely found a player there, Hawthorne, in Stan Spinks. Oh, there's hope there. Round 11, they knocked off the Dogs by 21 points. Round 13, their last win of the season was against St Kilda. Um, by 11 points. It was quite a low-scoring affair with the Mayblooms scoring the only goal of the last quarter, which uh, helped, helped them win. Mm. In round 14, they had a four-point loss to Melbourne. Um, Hawthorne might have won this game, Anna, but missed a free kick shortly before the final bell rang.
2: Ah, oh, too bad, Hawks. <laughs>
0: um, and Jack Warrell, legendary coach of Essendon and Carlton, five-time premiership uh, coach, said of Hawthorne that they would give every team they play a run up until a certain stage and then they fall away. Mm. Mm. So I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. Probably a bad thing. Bit of a backhanded compliment.
1: Yeah. Uh, they've got the the makings of a good team, but just can't get the job done.
0: No. All right, moving
1: Eleventh so place, St Kilda Moz. This team similar to our the Lowly Hawthorn in this year.
2: Very similar. Also with three wins and fifteen losses. But See, th- so smooth. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting slightly better each time. And a percentage of 72. So slightly better than Hawthorne.
0: Mm. It's been quite a while since St Kilda have been down near the bottom as well. The last time they won a wooden spoon was twenty nineteen twenty-one, which sounds outrageous because they won so many. I can't, I can't believe it. Well, back to the old when ones. you think about all the new teams that have come in, they've been the ones down there. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, St Kilda... Had a very tumultuous season, um, doing what they usually do in kind of capitulating from the board level on.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. There's new rules are coming in, so there's, there's obviously reasons for that. That impetus there.
0: In so in January, Charlie Hardy, former Essendon player, was re-signed as coach. Uh, they ratified that round. Two, so going into the season, Charlie Hardy was coach. Round two, they had a win over Hawthorne with uh, their champion full-forward Bill Moore kicking nine goals. Um, but this was a short-lived victory because, as in round three, the Black Cats, being Geelong's original name well, (not original, but nickname then), um, trounced them by 115 points. Oh my! Goodness. Jeez, yeah. that's a big one. Uh, yeah. They've got a huge percentage there but they're outside the floor. Yes. Uh, then round seven, Carlton beat St Kilda by 64 points in a fairly limp performance. The team sat second last on the ladder with one win from seven. Uh. Um, Now, following this, on June 23rd, the club informed Charlie Hardy that he was to resign. They'd conducted a thorough investigation of what had happened in the season and concluded that the players had lost confidence in their coach. Um, However, Charlie Hardy had a meeting with President Morris Guild, and he refused to resign. (laughs) He refused. He actually wrote an open letter to the public. Yes. Uh, This is the open letter. Dear sir, with regard to your statement to me today that your committee intend to terminate my appointment as coach of St Kilda Club for the season 1932 unless I was prepared to tender my resignation, I have to inform you that as I am not aware of any reason justifying the committee's action, I respectfully decline to agree to any attempt by your committee to terminate my employment, and I intend to attend at the ground on Thursday as usual. I would be glad to have the cooperation of your committee to enable me to perform my duties as usual. Yours faithfully, Charlie Hardy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, good on him.
0: Um, yeah. So in response to this, he was handed a week's pay and a notice of dismissal. Oh. Mm.
1: <laughs> You're officially dismissed. Um, yeah.
0: One thing they claimed is when he was resi- when he resigned, they never specified. Sorry, when he was re-signed in the pre-season, they never specified that it was for the whole season. Oh. <laughs> um. So, he then instructed his solicitors to begin legal proceedings for unjust termination.
1: Wow! Yeah. I feel sorry for that guy.
0: So, in place of him, Stuart King, who was the captain, took over as coach. Um, yeah, so all kinds of trouble happening down there. Uh, round 14, though, they had a rematch with Geelong, who had thumped them by 115 points. Well, I can tell you this was a 128 point turnaround because they beat Geelong the second time at Junction Oval. They played inspired football, and knocked the Black Cats off by 13 points. Wow. Billy Moore kicking eight.
2: Okay, didn't need their coach.
0: Yeah, so. And then. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, following the end of the season, um, what happened in Truce and Kill the Fashion, the committee was challenged by a reform group, sick of the same issues around the club and the sacking of Charlie Hardy. They challenged the committee and defeated them in a landslide vote in September. And one thing the new committee did was actually thank Charlie Hardy for his service and apologise for the way he was treated. Um, nothing, the legal action he had threatened, nothing ever kind of came of that. Mm. Um, but just an absolute mess in St Kilda.
2: Oh, it sounds like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, they'll get it right, surely next year on the up. Thirty-three.
1: <laughs> uh, um, so in tenth place, the mighty Fitzroy, Fitzroy. staying Fitzroy. down there oh, again. Tim,
0: Anna.
2: Three wins, 15 losses. Sounds familiar by now. <laughs> and a percentage of 76.2. So, again, same wins, same losses. Percentage slightly higher. Mm, slightly. Slightly.
0: Um, so, lots happening at Fitzroy this season. Frank Marr replaced Colin Niven as a non-playing coach. Um, and young champion Hayden Bunton was named as captain at the age of 20 years, 299 days. <laughs> Third youngest... Captain Ever, mm. do you guys want to have a guess who might have been young, the youngest captain?
1: I want to say Rewat, was he? Eight, wasn't He eight He eight eight was not,
0: no. i got nothing. Um, was it was a player nine? by the name of Jack Trengrove. Oh, that's it. Ah, captain Melbourne not too long cause. ago. <laughs> I know, how
2: could we forget? We a disaster, yeah. I think you've all blocked it out because <laughs> it was an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous decision. Oh dear. Um, him on. Jack,
0: Jack Trengrove was 20 and 217 days when he was made captain. Wow. Doesn't that astound you? Yeah. Um, and sec- so he was, the, he was the youngest. Second youngest was David Dench at North Melbourne. Um, and so Hayden Button, third youngest captain ever. Mm. Yeah. All the way back then. Um, so new recruits included Maury Hearn. Here's another name for you, Kaz. Stan Castles. <laughs> okay. Stan, Stan Castles. Stan
2: Castles. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and the 1931 McGarry medalist, Jack Sexton. Okay. McGarry Medal being the yeah. best and fairest in, in South Australia.
1: Okay, thank
3: you.
0: Um, another debutante this season was Doug Nichols.
3: Ah.
0: Yeah, heard of him. yeah. so the, uh, the story of Doug Nichols goes that in the pre-season of 1927, as a 20-year-old speedster from southern New South Wales, he went to Princess Park because the blues had kind of scattered him and said, you know, if you want to come down, try us a cart and we'll give you a go. Um, however, he missed a spot on the playing list uh, being told he was too small, hmm. really? which wasn't really the truth of it. The truth was... was um, not small at all. Well, he, he was he was small, mm. but he had skill. He had a lot of skill. Mm. Um, the truth was that, um, look, he hadn't been happy. His teammates weren't eager to play with an Aboriginal person. No one, no trainers wanted to give him a rub down. There were complaints about his colour and he, they said he smelled. Um,
1: General racism. Yeah, all. Oh, absolutely yeah. disgusting.
0: Um, and Doug was pretty bitter about that. So he didn't say anything, but he, so he left and he went, I think he played for Northcote for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlton actually, interestingly enough, apologised for this in 2016. Wow. So not long ago. They held a they had a bit of a ceremony, I think, and they invited some relatives of Doug Nichols to apologise for the way they treated him mm. back in the 20s. Um, so Doug Nichols would play only round one, two and five of this season. His first day when he was stripping or changing, color, changing into his stuff for the Maroons, he was over in the corner by himself. And Hayden Bunton came up, to, came up to him and asked him what he was doing. And Doug said, you know, you know how it is. From that time on, onwards, Hayden Bunton stripped next to him every time.
2: Oh, Hayden Bunton. All the, all the um, stuff I've been reading about Hayden Bunton just says that he was such a great man. And that is a great representation. Yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, so round one with Hayden Bunton, the youngest captain ever at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he led Fitzroy out to a 16-point victory against the perennial finalist Carlton. 16-point win. And we'll read about how Carlton reacted to that later on. Wow. Um, then round two, they had a loss to Footscray. And after this game, um, Hayden Bunton being the youngster that he was, he went to the committee and he said that he felt so burdened by the captaincy that he actually handed it over to South Australian Jack Sexton. I was going to ask how it went. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Jack Sexton, being the McGarry medalist from South Australia, was made captain after only two games at the club. Oh.
2: Very mature of Hayden punting. Isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Feather
1: in his cap. But, you know, they tried it. He, he, feather he, in his cap. He's obviously done that for the right reasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Not like Jack Trengrove. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack, was it Jack Grimes as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the double oh, Jack. Grimes-y. <laughs> they were always injured. They never played. Mm. <laughs> um, so round five, they had a loss to Geelong. Doug Nichols actually hurt his, game, his knee in this game and he'd missed the rest of the season to have some cartilage removed. Mm. Uh, round 8 they their second win was by 30 points over Hawthorne and then it was a pretty barren middle start, part of the season they didn't win again till round 17 in which they beat Essendon by 37 points um, now their leading goal kicker was Jack Moriarty former Essendon player who we gave away he kicked 81 goals for the season Goals in, <laughs> goals in every game except against Footscray round 13. He had two bags of five, three bags of six, one of seven, and two of eight. <laughs> I
1: mean, look at that. He should have stayed.
0: Yeah, well, he must have had a sore foot. We're we'll up on the ladder. <laughs> yeah. So there, Fitzroy. Well, wow,
1: Excellent. Okay, and uh, one higher in ninth place, Melbourne.
2: Melbourne. Four wins, 14 losses, and a percentage of 76.5. <laughs> Come on, fuchsias.
0: Um, Really interesting season at Melbourne this year. So the MCG was undergoing some resurfacing, um, and the fertilizer used on the ground was hazardous to the players. So they couldn't oh. play games at the MCG <laughs> to start with. So they moved their games to the Motor Dome.
1: Now that was owned by the uh, the Collingwood guy, wasn't it? John Wren.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh. yes. Oh, interesting. Can you would know it? it. You would know it now as Olympic Park. Ah. Oh. Yeah.
1: Or there the you Glass go. House.
0: Yeah, the Glass House was <laughs> yeah. there as well. Um, so they played three home games there until round six, and they'd already had their pre-season training at lots of different venues as well. okay. Um, so at the start of the season, so obviously they finished eighth last season, and they advertised for a non-playing coach. Um, Ivor Warnsmith smith had been coached for quite a few years. They received five non-playing and eight playing coach applications. And despite re-advertising for a non-playing coach, um, they eventually stuck with Ivan Smith. Oh. Went through the whole, whole process, made a non-appointment. Uh, he beat 12 other applicants for the position. Wow! So, round one, they had a first-up loss to South Melbourne by 20 points. This is actually the first time in seven years they'd lost their opening game.
2: Oh, that's a good stat. Yeah. Did you find that out yourself? I d- had not, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but they had a bit of a difficult build-up to this game. They couldn't. Uh, select Ted Esposito he had flu Bob Johnson had a strained wrist Uh, Kinnear bruised thigh Earl an ankle injury and mumps Jackson twisted knee and Rennie had a sprained knee Um, however a a good start to this game Melbourne had a goal within the first 60 seconds to debutant Jeff McInnes which is a bit of a debut to remember because he kicked three for that day
1: any relation to Marty Fred?
0: Uh, that's a very good question. I, I don't know. question without
1: notice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Moving on. <laughs> um, in round two, they played their very first game at temporary home uh, Olympic Park or the Motor Dome, mm. which ended in a heavy defeat with the Tigers running away to a big win by 61 points.
1: Mm. Mm. That.
0: Yeah. So round four, they played another game at the Motor Dome against Geelong. Um, then Geelong took their chance to heap further misery on Melbourne. <laughs> it was. It was actually Geelong's highest ever score against Melbourne to that point. We have George Margatic <laughs> kicking eight, which is a venue record for that venue. Mm. Most goals ever kicked. And dare um, I ask
2: what the score was?
0: Let's <laughs> have a quick look here. It was 20 goals, 13, 133 to 14, 11, 95. So oh, a yeah, so score yeah. point win, yeah, okay. for Geelong. So I think gets yeah, smashed, but it was a big score. And Geelong is kicking some big scores. Actually. And yeah. then Geelong are the reigning premiers as well.
2: No wonder their percentage was so large.
0: Yeah. Round seven, Melbourne lost their 18th straight game against Collingwood. Haven't beaten them since the 1926 grand final. Ooh. However, it was Melbourne's highest ever score at Victoria Park up to that point.
1: Yes, no, like, there's hey, a po- there's silver a silver line. lining.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, now, following this week, uh, round eight, they played Footscray and they had a 40 point loss, their lowest ever score at Witten Oval. Oh, so ups and downs, we were on the silver on for a little drops. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they sat at zero and eight, bottom of the ladder. Oh, no. And then round nine, they played St Kilda. Um, and then Charlie would be happy because he loves pounding on St Kilda. Um, two sides were locked closely together all day in a bit of a struggle. Of course they were. And the result was <laughs> still in doubt in the last few minutes, Kaz. St-
1: <laughs> and, of course.
0: St Kilda could have extended their lead if more. Billy Moore had kicked an easy goal on the run, but he missed. Oh. Melbourne's pace and forward work helped them put their nose back in front and they won their first game of the season by 11 points. But then they made it back-to-back wins. Round 10, they knocked over the, the uh, Maroons, Fitzroy, by two goals.
2: The
0: and then round 11, three in a row. Oh, they beat Essendon by three points.
2: An absolute streak.
0: Isn't it? And then round 12, they came thudding back to earth. Oh, we
1: were just starting to talk
0: finals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going down to South Melbourne by nine points. Um, in round 13, there was, they had a loss to Richmond. But Melbourne proved what a gentlemanly club they were. Oh, tell me more. At the start of the second quarter, Billy Timms he noticed that his opponent was unable to tie a stray shoelace due to a heavily bandaged finger. So he knelt down and tied it for him, so he could resume playing.
2: Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Gentlemen's club. The
0: gentlemen's club.
1: True
2: <laughs> Have I told you that's well? It's a similar story. Why my family goes to the demons more. Uh, so, yeah, I think oh, my, they, were Colling- they were Collingwood. They were Collingwood. So my great grandpa, he was Collingwood supporter and he was watching a game in about 1938 with his young son, my grandpa. And a Collingwood player punched a Melbourne player in front of them. And they switched teams and went for Melbourne forevermore because it was an ungentlemanly thing to do to punch someone.
0: Yeah, there you go. So there you go. Collingwood. Still go for Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> And why would he Anyway, sorry for that little no, segue. Where it fits. Now round 18, <laughs> Collingwood made it 19 in a row against the Demons as they suffered their 14th loss of the season. Um, their one shining light was George Margetic, who kicked goals in every single game except for one, kicking 60 for the season. Uh, that sounds great. And that is—it sounds great, apart from Melbourne finishing fairly poorly.
1: Mm. I should remember. I wanted to know, Bob Johnson, what, what position was he? a he forward? I think it was a half forward. Half forward, yeah. Um, missed him. North Melbourne are next in eighth place. Moz, well, not a very
2: nice place to be on the ladder. No, eighth place, finishing with eight wins and ten losses and a percentage of 97.1. Mm. So we're getting up the ladder a little bit now, but and, still And there's quite a
0: gap between them and Melbourne as well, like mm. four four-win gap.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: And also the other thing is North Melbourne have finished on bottom of the ladder for the last... Yeah. However many seasons. 30, yeah, the last three seasons they finished on the bottom. Oh, so, so a bit of a jump. This is quite a jump for them, yeah. I don't think they won a game at all last season.
2: Yeah, I do vaguely remember reading mm. that out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the captain was Dick Taylor. You might know that name, Kaz, because he was a Melbourne player. Of course. He became captain coach. Uh, Debutant for them was Tom Leather. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> because <laughs> I like, red
2: leather, them? yellow leather. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, they also had another a, a debutant who was a, a, a team debutant, but not a league debutant. In a player called Tom Fitzmorris.
1: I never heard of him. We have
0: heard of him. He played at Essendon for three or four years, and then following there was a bribery scandal where he was Essendon supposedly were bribed to take a dive against the Bulldogs in a game. Oh. Um, he left the club. Excellent. He refused to play with those kind of players. He went and played in a premiership the next year with Geelong, and then he got offered a coaching job somewhere else. And now he's back. He's back into the league, back oh, with see. North Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So round two, he was a three-time premiership player. He returned in the game against Essendon because Yarraville had cleared him to North Melbourne. But then um, country club Warwick and Beale Warwick you know where that is? No. Nope. nope. But you know how yep. that is? I don't know. They approached him to be captain coach and he was supposed to go, like he's supposed to play the Essendon game and, they, and then go and captain coach in Um But North refused to let him go. So he stayed with North. <laughs>
2: Chained him down. Yeah.
0: Um, now, round four, there was a three-point loss to South Melbourne. Captain coach Dick Taylor was reported for elbowing Bloods player Ron Hillis mm. and was ultimately suspended for four weeks. Guess what happens when a captain coach gets suspended?
1: The coach. Uh, There's no coach.
0: So we, the secretary? No, so uh, Charlie Cameron took over coaching for four weeks, another player who shares the same name oh. as a Brisbane Lions player. Hmm. Charlie Cameron was coach. So he couldn't, he couldn't be at the game to coach or captain.
1: Suspended from being a coach? That would be unusual if that happened. This it's very unusual, zero. isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, so he had a first good, good first-up win as well. So in round five, they had a five-goal victory over the Fuchsias, and it was their first win over the Fuchsias since 1925, their first year.
1: Well, wasn't Clarko sick for a little while and then someone else... Yeah, right? Brendan Bolton. Yeah, and um, but that, that was the only other time. But He wasn't suspended, obviously. But
0: yeah. No, but it's happened before. There's, there yeah. was a whole season in, you know, I think, 88 when Alan Jeans was sick, so Alan mm. Joyce mm. coached.
1: And uh, coaching with the with the wireless as well we had a couple of years ago. Um, they, they were listening... Wait, no, it couldn't have been this time. Anyway. Possibly. Sorry, I interrupted
0: you. That's all right. Um, round six, Charlie Cameron made it two from two with a five-point win over St Kilda at Junction Oval coming oh, from behind. Go, man. Um, they lost their next two to give Charlie Cameron ultimately a two-and-two two record in his coaching career in the four games he ever coached. <laughs> um, they finished strongly with three wins over Melbourne, St Kilda and Footscray. Uh, with a total of two wins from the last three years, uh, this was a very big improvement. So in, th- in mm. what was that? The 29, 30, 31, they'd won two games total. Oh, dear. So to win, what was it, eight games this season is a huge improvement. Mm. You'd be very happy as a North supporter. mm 7th place, uh, up one from 8th place.
2: Down one from 6th.
1: <laughs> is Footscray, Moz.
2: 9 wins, 9 losses, percentage of 103.5. That was so smooth and we didn't even practice it.
1: <laughs> Wait until we're
0: re- when, when do we get to the top. You're right. Is good. I'm excited. All right. Um, <laughs> debutantes include Stan Penbethy Ooh. and Norm Ware. Norm where? Oh, Norm. Yeah. Um, round two, had they had their first win of the season with a 43-point win at Fitzroy uh, over Fitzroy at home at the Western Oval. Um, then a bit of an inconsistent middle of the year until round 10 and saw probably the team's best win with a one-point stunner over Geelong at the Western Oval. Oh, glorious. They kicked one goal <laughs> 10 up until three-quarter time, though.
1: Mm. <laughs> they came
0: from 27 points down, kicking six goals five in the last quarter to steal the game by a point. Roy Rodwell taking a snap at goal as the bell rang to steal the game. What a cracker. What a -a (laughs) cracker lacquer. And this kick started a good run, actually. They won three of the next four, beating Essendon, Fitzroy and South Melbourne. Then Richmond brought them back down to earth in round 15 Mm. uh, with a five-point loss despite rallying in the last quarter.
1: I'm liking this North Melbourne Footscray going up,
0: though. Yeah. um, Footscray's last win for the season was round 16 against St Kilda. Again, though, they kicked very poorly with Mm. nine goals, 17... Winning by a goal, mm. um, Secretary Stan Thomas said that many Scrape players didn't have what was needed to survive in hard and strenuous encounters with other older league club league clubs, and that the club cannot be expected to attain Premiership honours until the necessary rugged and strong type of player is secured. Mm. So you—that's—he's putting his club on notice there. Mm. If you're not a hard, mm. tough player, we don't want you. Yeah. See you later. Mm. Especially with Footscray's lofty standards. They won a lot of flags in the mm. VFA before they came to the VFL in 1925. Mm. And they've been down the bottom ever since, really.
2: Ah, oh, so they're picking themselves up
0: as well. Yeah. Well, they're adjusting to life in the VFL. Mm. Because they fought so hard to get there. Mm. Mm. So it's taken a while.
1: The, their mm. scores here are, are low. They've managed to itch out, out a few wins. But Although, didn't, yeah. didn't, not worrying about Hawthorne, but um, yeah, they've got the lowest
0: amount. And if you remember the previous season, they just missed out on finals. Finish yes. fifth, yeah. Well, onwards
1: and upwards.
2: Yeah, should we do? Should we do a switcheroo for the top half of the ladder?
1: Absolutely.
2: All right, Good coming idea. in sixth place, the bottom of the top half is
1: Essendon, and they have ten wins and eight losses. That's three wins away from being in the four this year, and one hundred and three percent. Yeah,
0: no, look, hard in Melbourne.
1: <laughs> I
0: wasn't going to say. Anything, no, I feel like you were. I feel like
1: you were having a bit of a dig. I definitely wanted to. I didn't think of it at the time.
0: All right, one of their debutants was Wally Collis. Hey, Wally Collis. Wally Collis. Um, round one, they had a great start to the season. We're all enthusiastic. That's right. Back they on top again. They scored 105 points in their 51-point demolition of Footscray, <laughs> with our big Keith Forbes kicking five goals. And uh,
1: that sets up the, the uh, whole season really well, Tim. Oh, doesn't absolutely. It? They keep on winning. their winning ways. Absolutely.
2: Interestingly enough,
0: six of their players in this opening game were firemen. Ah, strong firemen. Yeah, Jack Foste, Garnet Campbell, Paddy Walsh, that Ernest, makes for a- Ernest Watson and Len Webster. Wow. All firemen.
2: Hmm. They didn't work together, did they?
0: That's even uh, more of a That's a good question. They possibly did. Hmm. Um, so they were scoring big earlier in the season as well, kicking over 100 points in four of their first six games. Um, they even scored 100 against Collingwood in round three, despite a loss. Round four, they had a five-goal win over St Kilda, and this was their first at Junction Oval since 1926. And then round six, Kaz, then scored 22 goals, 10, 142. Surely. In a big win over Fitzroy. Whoa. Um, oh, Key man and vice-captain Joe Hammond injured his knee, and although he would battle on the following week in a hard-fought win over Hawthorne, he would miss the rest of the season. Mm. It should right. be a big loss. Right. Over the
1: Fitzroy with that
0: Jack Moriarty there.
1: Yes. Some Thank feeling you. there.
0: Thank you. Well, you like reminding me of that, don't you? <laughs> um, round nine, Essendon lost to Richmond by 38 points. This knocked them out of the top four where they'd been for the majority of the first half of the season. In round 10, um, they copped the 65-point thrashing from Carlton. Essendon defender Sid Carmen was injured at Princess Park. Surprisingly enough, he was injured by a large stone thrown by the crowd. Oh. Carlton supporters at Princess Park are renowned for throwing stones and stuff at, at supporters. At That's players. terrible. Yeah. it looked, Luckily, the injury was only a large bruise, but this is something that, that has happened at Carlton since the early days, isn't it, Kaz? Yes. Um, they finished in sixth position, which was the fourth year in a row they'd finished in fourth. Uh, in sixth. Sorry. Mm. Mm. So a little bit frustrating that we're just sitting outside the eight. Uh, the eight, the four, the <laughs> the missing out on finals. The mosquito fleet's been swatted away. Well, there's no more mosquito times. fleet, as no. as what happened last season. I think the last mosquito feet, fleet fleet player, player left. Tommy Fitz. Actually, no. This season was Rolly Rolly Watt was oh. the last of the mosquito fleet. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.
1: That was a good little tidbit there.
2: Yeah. Well, um, just out of the top four was Geelong, yeah. finishing oh, with the highest percentage.
1: Yes, and uh, that would um, be 139.7. Um, nice pause there for effect. <laughs> just, just letting the audience just guess what it was. <laughs> um, they had 11 wins, one draw, Tim, and six Ooh. losses. Mm. Geelong kicking a, a huge scores
0: here. Uh, um,
1: not quite sneaky into the eight there, uh, four though.
2: Oh, the eight rolls off the tongue.
0: But the other interesting thing to note is that. Um, they are the running premiers. Oh, dear. Disappointment.
2: Mm, bit of a dropperoo. <laughs>
0: um, all right, so we've got Cleet Turner as one of the debutants. Cleet. 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 An, oh, he did make it up there. Good. He did,
1: yeah. Cleet, he's going to win it um, sure. And
0: new coach. So if you remember their coach from last year, who was Ooh. Charlie Climo. Mm-hmm. He was only there for a season. So they're now coached by Reg Hickey, which is quite a famous name mm. at Geelong. Mel Hickey, who is there now, is their Vf- AFLW captain, who is rela- a relation. Oh, oh that's that's I love that. So it's a great um, team name. Mm-hmm. Um, so round one, Mrs. M. Jacobs, wife of the president, unfurled the premiership flag. That's right. And- uh-huh. Aha, yeah, yes, Geelong you told North. me that one. Uh, round four, they played Melbourne at the Motor Dome. Geelong kicked the highest ever score at that venue, 20 goals, 13, 133 of the three games played there. So it's not... It is a record, but not much of a record. <laughs> <laughs> Round six, they played a draw with Richmond at Cryo Oval. Um, the injuries started mounting up. Coglin suffered a lacerated ear caused by the heel of an opponent. Les Hardiman a bruised thigh. Peter Hardiman a concussion. Maloney a jarred thigh, and Collins received several head knocks. Oh, dear. So it was no surprise that the following week against South, they had a bit of a loss um, by nine points. Their first one of oh, no, yeah, their first one of the season. Mm. Round 15, at cry over the Black Cats knocked off the Demons by 61 points. George Maloney kicking 10. And then round 16, he went one better, booting 11 goals against a hapless Fitzroy, defeating them by 114 points. 20 on goals in two games. What a time to be
2: alive. (laughs) Bruised foot.
0: Yeah. Uh, Round 17 at Punt Road, after being driven up in cars, the Black Cats lost to Richmond. So instead of training together, they were all driven up in cars. Um, but Maloney kicked his 100th goal of the season, which was loudly applauded. This put a dent in their finals hopes, however. And round 18, knowing they were going to miss finals, um, but as if to prove they should be in finals, they went out and smashed South Melbourne by 56 points. Mm. 40 scoring shots to 24.
2: Yeah, classy finish.
0: Yeah, well, you, look, they missed finals and as the reigning premiers... You... You'd be really disappointed with that. Mm. Um, one silver lining, I guess, was George Maloney winning the goal-kicking, putting 109 goals. You beauty.
2: Fantastic. Now we get to the top four finals teams. Um, finishing fourth was South Melbourne.
1: With 13 wins, was um, Five losses. <laughs> and 118%. So quite a respectable amount of wins there, but just 13 wins,
0: just... I just snuck in. Mm. Uh, coached by Johnny Leonard and captained in 1932, also by Johnny Leonard. Um, one of their debutantes was Herb Borschen. Or Herb Borschen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this season as well, you'll, be able, for the R, <laughs> you'll be able to see from the, um, the, the pictures we've got there, they've changed their jumpers. So they've gone from the red, I believe, back to... A w- all white with the red V mm. and mm. the red collar and uh,
1: the red around the, um, the, the edges of the cuffs. That's right.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Do they already have the stripy socks?
1: They
0: did, I believe. Well, maybe not. <laughs> no, you <can't>, you <laughs> all the options there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you couldn't change those stripy socks. No.
0: That, um, exactly. So this is really the um, the foreign legion is starting to take effect, which is. South Melbourne's starting to get a lot of interstate players in to really strengthen right. their team. Mm-hmm. So Subiaco's five-time Best and Fairest winner, Johnny Leonard, was brought over to be captain coach. Um, so the thing was, their vice president was Archie Crofts. He had a chain of grocery stores around Melbourne. So he was It was still the Depression, so he was able to give jobs to players, and that's how they got around the Coulter Law. Wow. Kind of like the Visi Park deal that Chris Judd had. Mm. Um, and through Leonard, they were also able to get from Subiaco a player called Brighton Diggins. Mm. I might put his name up as well yeah. Bill Fall from South Frio Gilbert Beard um, Then they also brought in Tigers big man Jack Bissett And from Northcote, Herbie Butcher Matthews So they've just gone cherry-picked all the good players from Pretty much That's oh, fantastic. Wow. So the three Sandgropers, Western Australians Had to live in the <laughs> residential area for three months And were not available to, <laughs> to play early in the season mm-hmm. <laughs> But this is really the building of a team That will be, is supposed to be a powerhouse Oh, amazing. Um, I did so, not know that. So Bob Pratt would have a solid first half of the season, South winning their first 10 games. Pratt kicked seven goals against Carlton and Hawthorne, eight against Essendon. He had 50 goals across the first nine weeks. Oh. Oh. Yeah, smashing it. Nice. <laughs> um, round 10, they just got over the line in a battle of Albert Park Lake, besting St Kilda by a point. Uh, the shocking kicking didn't help them in that game. And then they had their first loss of the season in round 11 against Collingwood, who beat them by three points, halting their streak at Lakeside Oval.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Successive losses to Carlton by nine points, and then the Tricolors by two goals saw them drop down to third on the ladder. So the second half of the season wasn't as good. Essendon beat them by four points, and Geelong smashed them into the, in the final round. Um, their form was quite shaky heading into finals, albeit, albeit they were playing finals for the first time since 1924. Mm. And that's South Melbourne.
2: All right. Finishing in bronze position on the ladder was <laughs> Collingwood. Um, Kaz, take it away.
1: <laughs> they had uh, 14 wins, four losses, and 111.6%. So if it wasn't for that little win there, they might have uh, mm. they might have just been down. South Melbourne would have
0: gotten up above them. There you
2: go.
0: Mm. Um, so... Gordon Coventry their their crack full forward Anna getting straight back into the swing of things in round one he kicked seven goals and a 25 point win over Hawthorne at Glenferry but then round two they lost to Geelong 11 points Hmm. round three at Essendon they played uh, Windy Hill against the same olds they led at three quarter time by 19 points sorry Essendon led by 19 points but a dominant last quarter saw them kick seven goals four to run out nine point winners Coventry again kicking seven for the game Round five, another bruising encounter between Carlton and Collingwood at Princess Park. Carlton came out ready to play. The players players didn't show up. No Um, one came out of the rooms. The players were actually in a meeting discussing a possible strike. They were trying to work out if there was going to be a pay cut. So, obviously, the depression. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there was suggestions. Just for their club or across the league or something? No, their club, to to play player payments. Mm. Um, There was a bit of a dispute as to whether it was going to be Bruce Andrew or Bill Libis who went to ask the committee if this was true. Um, This player went and Secretary Wraith told them that yes, a percentage of their wage would have to be cut. Mm. Um, Rafe told the player delegates to tell the players that any player who doesn't play today will never play for Collingwood again. I have to say that, don't they?
1: Well. Yep.
0: Um, this message wasn't actually related to the players, though he kept that to himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was put to the players, and Gordon Coventry supported it, and the rest of the players kind of followed. Um, mm-hmm. And they ran out to, to play this game with Sid Coventry's words ringing in their ears: "Let's go out and kill the bastards." <laughs> <laughs> However, was, it's not a surprise they lost by twenty points in this game, as they were—I'm sure they were probably very distracted. distracted. Mm-hmm. That's
1: right. And so, do we know if they actually did lose that pay?
0: Uh, I, th- I believe they did and yeah. the player, one of the players who went and spoke to them I think it was Bruce Andrew mm. I don't think after this season I think he was actually dropped as well he never played for the, the club again there was a bit of ill feeling there oh he's just mm. he's
1: completely burnt by this
0: yeah. you'd think John Rand
1: would be able to step in there and maybe help out yeah but, but that's
0: not within the rules of the I club I don't know right? not with the cultural no so following this loss to Carlton, they then strung together six seven wins on the truck including a thrilling three point win over the previously unbeaten South Melbourne at Lakeside Oval hmm Round 10 saw a classic Richmond-Collingwood encounter, which was bruising throughout, and they escaped with a two-goal win.
1: They're playing for honour here, it seems like.
0: Yep, and then Carlton and Geelong defeated them again later in the season, but finishing third on the ladder is a pretty solid uh, season by Collingwood again.
2: Mm. All right, we've really really niched. We've nearly reached the pointy (laughs) end of the season, but not quite. Richmond came in um, second on the ladder.
1: Again, there's 139.2%, uh, So, excuse me, 14 wins, one draw and three losses. A fantastic season.
0: All right,
1: coached again by um,
0: Doug- uh, <laughs> Frank Checker-Hughes. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Um, good name for you, uh, Kaz? Sid Dockendorf. <laughs> Dockendorf. <laughs> If, uh, and when we had Rhett Bartlett on the show, he actually spoke about interviewing this guy. Really? Yeah. The Dockendorf. The Dockendor. Ah, oh,
1: well, we'll give him the nod then. I
0: believe. Maybe he's dead. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> oh, his, his son, sorry. His son,
0: I was going to say. He spoke to a Dockendorf. Good. Oh, not many Dockendors, I mean. Um, let's be honest. <laughs> At a dinner of officials in late April for committee members and players, Percy Bentley was elected captain and Alan Getty's vice-captain. In round one, Richmond defeated St. Kilda in the opening game of the season. There was some crowd crushing at the entrance gates, which caused 10,000 spectators to miss the beginning of the game. Um, in this game, the Tigers' Maury Sheehan marked a St Kilda shot on the goal line. He went back to take his kick in, and he kicked into the post, and it bounced back like behind the goals. <laughs> um, so the umpires had to kind of confer over this, and then they went back and signaled the behind. <laughs> I've never heard of that happening before. No. <laughs> I mean, it must happen in junior league all the time, but not all the time, but more often. <laughs> As a professional league, I've never seen that happen. Before. <laughs> Round two, Richmond and Melbourne played the first ever league game at the Motor Dome. Doug Strang kicked seven goals in this game, um, and at this game, there was no there was no board up where they could check scores from other games, where they because all, all games were played at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, they are instead read out to the crowd by a microphone through amplifiers placed all around the ground wow oh, excellent um, and the other funny thing is the official also brought an official broadcast the first few minutes of the game to the, mi- to the crowd over on a microphone like commentating to the ground huh. League Secretary um, McBrien stepped in and stopped it because the noise was so disconcerting to players and spectators <laughs> <laughs> like If you've ever heard announcements made at those big grounds they just echo all over the place yeah. so someone consistently doing that it would sound mm. ridiculous mm. Uh, Round 4 following Richmond's 3 point win over Footscray at Western Oval Percy Bentley collapsed Round 5 Richmond kicked 4 goals to 1 in the last quarter and drew with Geelong 9 goals 15 apiece at Cryo Oval in round 8 South Melbourne defeated Richmond by 2 points in a wet but exciting contest at Punt Road with the defeat Richmond slipped from 2nd to 5th on the ladder oh. but after this game they wouldn't lose at Punt Road again until
1: 1935
0: hmm. following Richmond's wow. win over Essendon in round 9 um, Jack Titus was admitted to hospital and was diagnosed with a fractured skull that wouldn't have stopped him I'm sure I probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> round 14, Richmond's 13 defeated the league leaders Carlton 14 at Princess Park. Doug Strang kicking the winning goal as the final siren rang. Um, and then Doug Strang again, round 16, kicked nine goals against the Hawks, helping to beat them by 67 points. And finally, round 18, Alan Geddes chips a rib in the final match of the regular season as the Tigers beat the Maroons. <sighs> so some really obscure injuries to Richmond this yeah, season.
2: Yeah, <laughs> very...
0: Getting the job done, though. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right, we've reached the cream of the crop. Carlton finished top of the ladder.
1: Thank you, Anna. They had 15 wins and three losses, and their percentage was 137.8. A clear winner there for the Coulthard
0: Shield. Is that right? It is. Uh, hold on. No, Coulthard Shield is the highest score hand out yeah, the
1: so McClelland trophy but either one of those the Coulthard's one we made up <laughs> yes just
0: so you know
5: yeah.
0: we'll find out who wins that later Yeah. so Carlton coached again by Dan Minogue uh, but round one if you remember was that disastrous loss to Fitzroy in Doug Nicholls uh, debut game mm. five players were axed following this to prove a point uh, but it was all for nothing because they lost in round two as well to South Melbourne how many other clubs does Doug Nicholls go to before he ends up at back of there he doesn't he never played with Carlton okay where he does either. he end up I don't know he like, ends up becoming a pastor and a uh, like mayor or okay. hmm. something political hmm. um, so yeah so round two sure. um, they were playing South, South Melbourne Jack Austin of South Melbourne was dazed by a rock thrown by the crowd oh um, no um, <sighs> and their fullback was also hit by a piece of road metal right <laughs> yeah. um, oh so round three the players that were all dropped for round two all came back and they had a, a successful win Harry Valance kicked six goals in a one point win over Richmond Soapy Valance kicking the winning goal in the last seconds they then went on, on an 11 game winning streak round five they had a win over the hated Collingwood and four rookies were named as the best players so Gordon Mackey Charles Street Ronnie Sox Cooper and Leo Oprey um, quite a few good Carlton players left at the end of last season as well, so that this is recruiting-wise, they'd be quite happy with this. Round eleven, there was a fifteen-point win at Geelong over the Cats. Soapy Valance cr- crashing down hard and hurting his shoulder, and this ultimately would ruin his shot at kicking a century for the season. Uh, round fourteen, their winning streak was halted by Richmond, who beat them by five points. Um, eleven games in a row was pretty good, though, especially considering Soapy Valance was missing games. Round 16, they knocked off Collingwood again, this time by 46 points at Vic Park and sat on top of the ladder. Round 17, at the end of their seven-goal win over the Fuchsias, Blues fullback Frank Gill was reported for trying to kick George Margetich uh, after Ron Cooper was knocked unconscious by a Melbourne player being hit in the jaw. Flying the flag there. Yeah, the game was vicious from then on, and but Gill was cleared. Uh, and interestingly, Soapy Valance would finish the season with 97 goals, so three shots. Close. Um, Alright, that's the end of the season proper. Let's cross now to Big Red to hear uh, his roundup.
5: Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action, sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day, lads, Morris, and our valued listeners. Welcome to the roundup for the 1932 season as we take a look at footy from around the grounds. This week, let's start with the VFA. North could have secured their second premiership with a 26-point win over Coburg at the Coburg Cricket Ground in front of 9,000 fans. The final scores for the game were 13-11-89 to 8-15-63. A four-goal-to-one final quarter took the game beyond Coburg's reach, with staff full forward Frank Seymour kicking eight goals for the match. Northcote have just entered into their most exciting era in the club's history, which extends from the 1870s to 1987. As for the first three decades in the VFA, Northcote failed to have any significant impact. This changed in 1929, when we see the club winning its first premiership and continued on with two losing Grand Finals in 1930 and 31. Then the 1932 season, we see the Northcote Roselles rise to a height that they never meet again over the course of the club's history. Frank Seymour was the Association's leading goal kicker with a record-breaking tally of 122 goals for the season, season, which included his big bags of goals in all of the finals. After crossing from Collingwood in the VFL in the 1932 season, Northcote Rover Bob Ross was the Recorder Cup winner for the Association's Best Player, which nicely complemented his premiership medal in what was a successful move between leagues. In other VFA news, Oakley, who had won the 1930 and 31 premierships after joining the competition in only 1929, finished the 1932 season at the very bottom of the ladder with only three wins for the season. A massive fall from grace, as many players from their premiership sides either retired or went to the VFL after the 1931 season, leaving the club in a significant hole. Now to the Sandfall, where a consistent member in the final four over the years, Sturt have beaten champion team North Adelaide by 41 points to claim their fourth top honour. The game was played at Adelaide Oval in front of 29,700 fans in a game that was won in a seven goal to zero third quarter that saw Sturt kick away to a lead that was never pegged back. Winning his third goalkeeping award in a row was Ken Farmer from North Adelaide with 102 goals. And the 1932 season saw Ken halve the medal with Jack Owens from from Glenelg, who also snagged 102 goals for the season. It was the third. It was also the third time that Owens won the league goal kicking award. The McGarry Medal was won by promising sentiment Max Pontifix from West Torrens, who had a dominant 1932 season for the Eagles team. Pontifix was a real talent and generated plenty of excitement for West Torrens supporters when he joined the club in 1930. He was unfortunately sent to Tasmania in the summer of 1934 by his employer and was never heard of in football circles again. To the Waffle, and in the 48th season of the competition, we see West Perth win their first premiership since 1905, ending the longest premiership drought in the club's long history in the Waffle. West Perth triumphed over city rival East Perth by 43 points in a game that saw the Falcons make much better use of the strong wind and a scoreless last quarter made sure the game was quickly slipped away from the hands of the East Perth team. The final score for the game was 18-9-117 to 11-8-74 and 17,000 fans at Subiaco Oval witnessed the West Perth Falcons breaking their long-running premiership drought. The Bernie Naylor medal... For the league's leading goal kicker went to West Perth's Ted Tyson with 84 goals for the season. Tyson kicked a record breaking eight goals for the West Perth side in the grand final, a record that remained until a nine goal haul uh, in 1963, so a 30 year record. We will hear much more from Tyson in the future episodes, but an interesting fact about Tyson is that in his 228 game career for West Perth, he was only kept goalless in three games absolutely remarkable stat. The Sandover medal in the waffle was won by Keith Huff from the bottom of the ladder side Claremont-Cottesloe winning the medal in a team that only managed four wins for the season. Huff also came second in the Sandover medal in 1929. In other waffle news the first semi-final saw East, Perth's, East, East Perth win a rough but close game to end a horror run of finals losses but the game, but during the match, South Fremantle captain-coach Ron Doug was involved in a massive collision with another player and died a few hours after the game from a c- cerebral contusion relating to the collision. Down to Tassie, where the Penguin Football Club, whose history dates from 1890 and remains strong today, has had its first taste of premiership su- premiership success after 42 years with a win. In the Northwest competition, while Kanaw and City were the other major winners, coming in with some local footy news, we have Tubarak Football Club from the Heathcote District Football League in Northwestern Victoria winning their second Premiership in a row. Tuberac go on to win another eight premierships in their history, but the club unfortunately disbanded in 1986. And lads, Morris and our valued listeners, that's the roundup for the 1932 season with our look at Around the Grounds. Until next time, kick straight. All
0: right, and Anna, you're in here to... Uh, one of your roles is now to, to give us a bit of a Brownlow update.
2: Oh, yes, Moss's Brownlow low. All right,
0: we've got a bit, of a, uh, <laughs> a bit of a jingle to play as well. The Brownlow
2: low with Moss... Alright, so last year we heard all about debutant Hayden Bunton winning the league's best and fairest in his very first season. I mention him again now because he did in fact win again this year. Hey, back to back. Yeah, two for two. Uh, He was also a champion cricketer and in his last year at school, Bunton averaged 201 runs for the season and took 43 wickets. Not shabby. Uh, He worked in a department store during the day and played phenomenal, well, clearly, phenomenal Mm. football on Saturdays. In this year, 1932, he secured 23 Brownlow votes and easily won the medal. The runners-up, George Maloney and Bill Fowle, received only 16 votes each. That's a huge win. Yeah, Mm. huge. Um, Bunton was still only 21 years young in this, this, his second season.
0: Two Brownlows by the age of 21. Isn't that
2: crazy? Yep. And a nice guy to boot. Yeah. Mm. Um, he now had two Brownlows under his belt and, a bit of a spoiler alert, he's to win a third but not for a few more years. Oh, amazing. Mm. In this season, astoundingly, Bunton only played 14 games and he only polled in 11 of them. So he must have really made it count when he yeah. did poll. Mm. Bunton was known for his roving skills and his natural eye for making the right decision. He was also known for having the grace of a ballet dancer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: excellent!
2: Um, I have one final quip of 1940s gossip for you guys, and that is that Hayden and his wife Lydia divorced in 1950. No, sorry, 1945, only to remarry in
0: 1946. Uh, yeah, of oh, exactly, yeah. really. yep. um, Not the first player to win a second Brownlow, but the first one to win back to back. Ah,
1: cool.
0: Because Ivan Smith had one too. Ah. Uh-huh but not back-to-back.
2: Mm. Have many players won back-to-back since?
0: Good question. Ooh. A few, but not many. Robert mm. Harvey in the 90s did. That's the first that springs to mind. Uh, yeah, I don't think many. Yeah. No. Mm. Mm. All right, let's get to finals. Finals for everybody. All right, so the first final was Collingwood versus South Melbourne, third versus fourth. We are working now with the uh, Paige McIntyre system. So in this game, Coach Jock McHale preached teamwork. As Collingwood played a star-studded South Melbourne team, um, and he and he preached that classic line of a champion team will always beat a team of champions. Classic don't know if moment. he came. Don't know if he came up with it. Um, Collingwood kicked eight five to one goal one in the first quarter to pretty much put that game to bed. Oh. It was a f- record first quarter score for a final. Uh, Sid Coventry starred, and his brother kicked five. So South Melbourne's out. Collingwood advanced to the preliminary final. Uh, now in the other semi-final we had Richmond playing Collingwood, who have played some classic encounters in, in recent years. Um, in this semi-final, Richmond came from behind to defeat Carlton, um, who had been Carlton had been leading most of the day. They won by 25 points, before 63,000 spectators at the MCG. Tigers gave Carlton a five goal start to uh, five goal to one start, but they clawed their way back and kicked eight goals to two in the last quarter. Doug Strang kicked seven goals, which was a club record for a final, while Maury Hunter booted six. Uh, Strang had kicked 25 goals over his last four games. So, Richmond straight to the grand final. Carlton will now play Collingwood in the prelim.
1: Those games are so exciting when they start coming, in, and sure enough, they finally get And that's in front quite of-
0: high scoring as well. Yeah. So, the prelim final. Um, the So, these are all played on separate Saturdays as well. Uh, Carlton played Collingwood at the MCG in front of 46,000. Coventry kicked four goals in the first quarter and the Pies led by a goal. But then the damn walls burst. (laughs) Uh, Harry Soapy valance uh, took 16 marks and kicked 11 goals, nine in a prelim as the Pies (laughs) were again embarrassed by Carlton and bundled out of the finals. Carlton winning by 75 points. Yeah. Kicking 19 goals to six after the quarter time. Absolutely dominant display there So setting up a Richmond Carlton Grand Final Yep uh, and So we can, I can talk to you about this Grand Final But instead why don't we talk to The, the, uh, <laughs> the captain himself, Percy Bentley uh, Hello Perce, are you there? Yeah
4: everyone, I'm here Congratulations
2: mate, it's been a long time coming Today was personally a third grand final and the team's fifth in six years.
4: A very long time coming, but I tell you what, it tastes so
0: sweet now. Look, there's there's been a lot of changes at Richmond this year, mate. Uh, To start with, Percy Page stepped down as secretary because of health. Yep,
4: yep.
2: And Barney Herbert is the new president. There must be lots of cries of eat him alive around the place.
0: Yeah, there certainly is. Um, And yourself taking over the captaincy. How did you handle that role?
4: Being captain was a big responsibility. We've had lots of good captains around here, Alan Geddes, Donald Don, Maury Hunter, to name a few. Big shoes to fill. I just tried to do my best.
2: Your team also has some fresh faces, the Strang brothers. Obviously coming in last year, but having great seasons this year too.
4: Yeah, those two are really consistent. Doug had a good end to the season, kicking almost 30 goals in the last five games, and Cocker, well, he's just freakish. It's a pleasure to play
0: alongside those two. Um, Now, we might take you back a little bit quickly. You had a good start to the season, some early wins, a close loss to Carlton, um, an exciting grand final rematch with Geelong that saw a draw, and then a round 10 loss to Collingwood.
4: Yeah, we thought it was a strong start. The season's a marathon, not a sprint.
2: Oh, good analogy, Purse, and quite apt, as you haven't lost a game since that Collingwood game back in round 10. Do you reckon the loss was a catalyst for that run of wins?
4: Yeah, No. It always takes a few games for a team to really gel and come together. We knew we were really good enough, and, well, no-one likes a loss. We clicked into gear following that game and never looked back. I think we had close games against the Blues and Geelong, but it was a pretty smooth finish to the season. So you finished the season
0: second on the ladder, half a game behind Carlton, yet you weren't really talked about as much as, say, a South Melbourne or a Carlton?
4: Yes, yeah, some say it's good to be talked about, but we're happy that no-one was really talking about us so we could just go about our business.
2: So the second semi-final, you played Carlton for a spot in the grand final, and there was lots of interest in this game. 62,000 people turned up, which is a record. You have a good re- recent record over the Blues in finals. That must have been comforting.
4: Yeah, every game in every year is different. We couldn't go into that game resting on our laurels, though. The pass meant nothing. We had to play them, and there, in front of 62,000 people, and beat them. Then beat them. Then and there.
0: And what a ripper of a game it was. Carlton led at every stage, um, in every in the end of every quarter. But you were able to storm over the top of them in the final quarter. What was the key to that?
4: Yeah, Checker spoke to us at three-quarter time and just urged us to surge forward and run the Blues off their feet.
2: Oh, and that's exactly what you did. Doug Strang and Maury Hunter, the stars there, with 13 goals between them.
4: Yeah, they did. Carlton threw out their distress signal. Those two just ran riot in the last quarter. It was amazing to watch.
0: So another grand final. Um, you got to sit back to watch Carlton Collingwood do battle um, to see who'd play you. Did you have a preference? Ah, uh, Yeah, probably Carlton.
4: <laughs> Um, We're a bit sick of playing Collingwood in Grand Finals.
2: Well, you got your wish. They thumped Collingwood to set up the final game. How did you prepare for that game?
4: Well, we had a few injury concerns. Uh, Mocker Johnson had sore ribs. Joey Murdoch had his chest crushed. And Alan Geddes was just coming back from a leg injury. We just worked on training hard and getting those boys through.
0: Um, So, look, we thought 62,000 was a pretty good crowd for a semi. Almost 70,000 showed up for the Grand final. Yeah,
4: that just shows what a better system the Paige McIntyre system is. The crowd loved it. Uh, we loved it too.
2: And the weather was ideal.
4: Yep, uh, couldn't have asked for much more really.
0: You started the better team in this game. Jack Baggett was the standout for the team, playing more of a defensive role today.
4: Ah, uh, yeah, certainly. Um, we all know he loves a goal, but his job today was just to sit on Mickey Crisp and keep him quiet for the day.
2: And a good job he did, as did Basil McCormack on Keith Shea. So the Tigers seemed to hold the lead but couldn't quite shake the Blues. They were never too far behind.
4: Yeah, true, true.
0: Yeah, so you led by six points at three-quarter time, 15 at the half, and just seven points at three-quarter time. You must have known that for that last quarter you'd be in for one hell of a fight.
4: Yeah, we did, but we came out fighting. I had a goal pretty quickly and um, a bit of a breather.
2: But then the Blues went bang, bang. Two goals to their star player, Soapy Valance. Suddenly they were within just a point.
4: And um, it must have been around this point that Maury Hunter went off with a knee injury. Uh, 19th man Jack Anderson came on for him.
0: Um, and it was probably this is one of the things that really changed and helped your team, didn't it?
4: He was fresh and he was able to run. Um, he had a great last quarter.
2: And uh, Carlton did take the lead with a goal to Horry Bullen. Was it panic stations?
4: Not quite at that point. We knew there was time. So from then on it just became a desperate pell-mell. I tell you, um, as captain, I just told our men just to
0: keep going. Um, But your team didn't panic. The freshman you spoke about, Jack Anderson, he was able to get his hands on the ball and he scored.
4: Yeah, um, he rushed it fiercely forward, dodged his opponents and kicked a memorable goal. And would you believe it was only his fourth game of league footy? Um, A good find, that lad.
2: And then Jack Titus put the icing on the cake, didn't he?
4: Yeah. um, To start... Withy took a splendid mark, and from his shots, Ginny scored a goal that gave us an eight-point lead and also gave us belief we'd win. Geddes kicked a point, um, but the bell rang, and that was it. We were Premiers again, finally.
0: Finally. Yep. Um, and eight points. What a game. Um, now, look, quickly, speaking of Alan Geddes, he was impressive today, wasn't he? <laughs> My word. And
4: guess what? We just found out. What? what? He just told us that he'd fractured his jaw in the second term, but he played out the game. Unbelievable. Oh, that is tough. Um, look, those kind of sacrifices, that must make you as the captain proud. Oh, absolutely.
2: Was he the best today in your eyes?
4: The whole team was amazing, but Cocker Strang was outstra- outstanding today. Absolutely unbelievable in the air. He took mark after mark. There were many others out there that came to mind. Bolger, O'Neill, McCormick... I believe the committee is going to make a decision on the best player during the week and present a trophy. And uh, can you tell us how old Barney Herbert's celebrating the win? I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised to learn that he's wearing his 1921 Premiership jumper <laughs> covered in uh, <laughs> yeah, weird trimmings. Um, probably the best way to describe him. Oh, and uh, Percy Page, he's just come in. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone, I'm going to, have to leave you. Um, thanks for the chat, yeah?
2: Oh, thanks so much thanks for your purse. time, Per. Cheers,
0: mate. Cheers. There you go. There's a uh, very happy-sounding Percy Bentley there. (laughs) Wasn't it? Yeah, indeed. Um, (laughs) uh, So it was later revealed that Alan Geddes, um, who had been returning from a rib injury, actually fractured his jaw during the grand final in that second term, Mm. but played out the whole game. Now that is hard. Come on. Isn't it? Um, Also following this, Gordon Strang won a trophy for being Richmond's most effective player in the grand final. And Richmond declined an invitation from Sturt, uh, who were the South Australian premiers, to play the game at Adelaide Oval the following Saturday. So there was a bit of a precedence there, Anna, of the winner from South Australia playing the winner from Victoria in ah. a game, which always was won by South Australia because it was always in South Australia. Right. Hasn't been done for quite a while.
2: Mm.
0: Mm. Um, now, the only other interesting part of the news to talk about, and Charlie will pro- probably be disappointed he's not here to mention this, is that in late November, Percy Page, a former Richmond secretary, was appointed secretary and manager of the Melbourne Football Club. And there were rumours swirling that Tiger coach Frank Checker-Hughes would join him at Melbourne.
1: Mm. Mm. Sounds like there could be something to that.
0: Yes, mm. so we'll find out more about that in oh, the next year. episode. I not know that, that's cool. Episode.
1: How do these things get done? That's one of the ways. Mm. Um, um, you made me think, Mars, with, with the broken jaw, like... When you're Having never played before, what is, what's it like? Do you feel the pain of something like that when you're actually out there?
2: Do you reckon adrenaline would be pumping through the system? Mm. But you'd think that once it got to half-time, did he, he did it's it said in said second term.
0: Oh, he did it in the second, second term? Half. So second half, yeah.
2: Yeah, okay. Oh. So even if he did it in, in the um, third quarter, by the time you stop for those five minutes or however long the three-quarter time break was... Mm. That the adrenaline would stop and you'd be in severe pain. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, you
0: probably, maybe you wouldn't realise the severity of it. Maybe you'd just maybe. like, oh yeah, that's
2: ouch. Yeah, yeah. ooh. Or maybe you do realise and you just think, no, nah, I'm going to keep playing. Yeah. Because I'm a hard dude.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's get to some retirees very quickly. So players who have played their last league games. Cue the sad music. <laughs> we have Ivor Warren Smith of Melbourne. Whoa. Two time Brownlow medalist. We have. Uh, Former McCracken Name Award winner Ted Esposito (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have Jimmy Davidson of Melbourne We have Rowley Watt As I said, the last of the Mosquito Fleet Uh. Bill Bull Adams from Fitzroy and Melbourne Ernest Titch Utting from Collingwood and Hawthorne Arthur Dickens from Fitzroy and Melbourne Arthur Stevens from Footscray Harold Matthews of St Kilda And Alf Lamb of North Melbourne and Footscray Quite a spread there A A good spread uh, which gets us to a bit of a wrap up, Kazman. Wrap it up. Um, so, if we are discussing the McCracken Name Award, oh, it's very important. This. Um, so
1: we've got we've got Alan's story there. I didn't quite pick that up until you you said it. Is that quite like Stan Bronco. castles? Yeah, <laughs> good play on words there. But um, I'm sorry, or can I can't. Brighton Diggins? No, no, no. I, this is this is what we're to... Uh, is this okay? I've this never met, and I I assume that I will never meet someone called Cleet. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> simply for the being the most foreign name to me just to me Cleet, probably Cleet Turner Cleet uh, no maybe not but it's probably not funny enough it's funny it's your award okay um, well it's a, I, need, I usually need help from the crowd here I'm like you know go over the popular one
0: look right, if it was me I'd be between Stancastles Brighton Diggins and Sid Dockendorf
1: yeah,
2: yeah Dockendorf is really good I also liked a bit of Buckney
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hilton. I, I, it was hard not to choose the Hilton Buckney.
1: Um but but Tim, I'm gonna side with you on this one. it's definitely Stan ca- I mean stand castles. Stan Castle. Stan Castle Oh yes,
2: yeah, Stan Castle's of course.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Alright, Stan Castle's winner. And hopefully I'll be back next week for this segment. <laughs> or maybe not. All right, so let's uh go through some other bits and pieces. The um the Coulthard shield for high school goes to Geelong. Yeah, the high I score of 25, so. 18, 168. You're Not beauty. quite reaching the lofty 199 scored by Richmond the previous season. Go Tigers. And other winners? So the Premier of 1932,
1: Anna? Um, Elban. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just chimed in at the wrong time. <laughs> um, we have the Premier...
0: Um, it wasn't Richmond Yeah, it was Richmond Richmond <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richmond, yeah, Richmond, yeah. The, the Brownlow medalist
2: Hayden Bunton
0: Yeah The leading goal kicker was George Maloney of Geelong with 109 George Maloney um, And as they didn't, they didn't play finals either, so 109 was the record And Wooden Spoon went to Hawthorne, their fourth Wooden Spoon mm. um, And very quickly wrapping up the Premiership tallies as yeah, of so 1932
1: how many Richmond gotten out?
0: Oh, yeah We have Collingwood with nine Fitzroy with seven Essendon with six, Carlton with five, Richmond with three, South Melbourne with two, Geelong with two, mm. Melbourne with two.
1: Well, there we go. Good episode, guys. Um, I will. I want to research how many um, who kicked the most goals in that um, grand final again for Richmond because uh, I, I feel like I don't know enough about how how they came about that. Did you listen to the interview that we did I will, with? Uh, Percy I, will, I will. I will. I
0: should have asked him. Should have asked him a bit more. <laughs> Um, All right, so thank you for tuning in, Anna. Lovely to have you in now as a permanent.
2: Thank you very much, Timmy. Thank Um, you, Kazatron. Thank
0: you. Uh, Obviously, Charlie didn't show up.
2: (laughs) Oh, Charles. uh,
0: You might hear his voice inserted in later. We might use (laughs) the magic of technology. (laughs) 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 Um, But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to those people from the exotic locations that have been downloading us.
1: Yes, keep it up. And please tweet us in, let us know, talk to us, ask us questions.
0: Do a review. If you get a chance, review us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Podbean or whatever you wherever you get your podcast. Exciting so. times on Instagram, yes. Mm. Anna is uh, taking over our Instagram, so
2: yeah, I was just taking a few happy snaps.
0: Excellent, good. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. we uh, we will post
1: more about this amazing table we've got as well. Oh, I got some footage there too. Thanks yeah. so much for all your
0: encouragement. Thank you. Keep and, uh, listening. We haven't got Charlie's usual s- salute. at Sign off.
1: Well, uh, well, I mean, Anna, maybe can maybe you- she could improv one. For us, you never know; it might stick. <laughs> oh no! Do you know what the first thing that popped into my head was? <laughs> yes. I'm so ashamed.
2: Rex Hunt. <laughs> oh, I was going to be see you later, Footy Gators.
0: Oh. So <laughs>
1: okay, don't let me don't it, let me do that do again. <laughs> I like it. Oh no! let no, was just a traditional hooroo. Hooroo. You can contact Kick to Kick by email at kick, to kick podcast at gmail dot com. Find us on Twitter at Kick to Kick pod or Instagram which is at kick to kick pod as well. For our growing list of all our references, please go to kicktokick.podbean.com slash p slash reference dash list. Thank you very much for listening.